What do you love about your job? The complexities of it. Um, so the different hats that I've got to wear, um, whether it's marketing, sales, being creative, I enjoy how different it is every day. What do you hate about your job? The loneliness. Uh, it's quite insular. So being um, being able to bounce ideas off of different people it would be something that's really helpful. Uh, at the minute, I've just got to come up with them myself, so it's quite um, it's quite lonely at times. What's a talent that you've got that most people don't know? Um, my experience with mental health and my ability to have that insight and be able to put myself in in other people's shoes um, is something that I, I quite pride myself on, and um, it's difficult, but it's really worthwhile. What's your favourite colour? green. What is your best skill set? Um, my best skill set is to be creative, um, fixing and creating solutions around problems is, uh, is something that I, I really quite uh, enjoy and pride myself on. What are you really bad at? Sticking to one single task at one time. Um, I can, but other things tend to creep in and tend to uh, distract me sometimes and I'll get the job done but uh, I feel that I perform best at you know when I'm when I'm doing two or three things at once which sometimes isn't great. If you had to change your career what would you do? I would be a property developer. What is your favourite meal? Uh, anything in relation to chicken. Um, what is your perfect day? Uh, so I love being outdoors, so I would um, wake up, have a coffee outdoors on a, on a roof terrace that I've got, and then I would um, go for a walk and then chill out in the evening with uh, some really good food and some uh, and a nice film to watch. What was your first job? I was selling window cleaning door to door after school. What's your favourite film? Fight Club. What's your dream car? Mustang. 60, 1967 Mustang. What do you do in your spare time? So I walk a lot um, because of a back injury. I have been staying away from the gym at the minute. So I do walk a lot and I like to stay active as long as it's outdoors. Um, and also I, I am quite addicted to film so I keep up to date with what's what's going on in the film world. Who inspires you? Um, my grandparents. Um, I named the business after them so uh, they faced quite a lot of uh, issues with their mental health as well as my parents have as well so people who have been through adversity and been able to uh, succeed from it um, inspire me. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? Um, I was I was told once that uh, because I was only giving uh, eighty percent at work, um, why should I have a job? Uh, which at the time wasn't something I needed to hear at all. What's your favourite place in the world? At the moment, I, I would say that it's uh, behind my house. There's a, a lovely river. Um, it's near water and it's really picturesque and one of my favourite walking spots so it's really nice and quiet 
uh, and a place where I can think and get away from everything. What's your favourite app? Email. What is the best advice you've ever been given? Probably to slow down, um, to take a step back now and then and, and to look at things collectively and, and to be a little bit calmer about and, and collect collect myself before making decisions and going into things. So hello everybody, I'm um, Luke Bowden from the um, For Think Forward um, podcast. Um, I'm here today with John Manning. Um, who runs a startup business, um, and we're in Milton Keynes today at the, I want to call it right, it's not the Entrepreneurial Spark anymore, is it? It's now no, it's the, the NatWest Acceleration Hub. NatWest Acceleration Hub, and, and here is where lots of startup businesses come um, to really hone their idea, to really focus on their idea, but also to um, grow as well. Um, so businesses come here, they want to grow, and want to accelerate, and I know that you're one of those businesses, John. So, um, for those of you, those of the viewers that don't know who you are, it'd be really good if you could say who you are and what you're doing here and what your business is all about. Yeah. So, um, as Luke said, I'm, I'm John Manning, and I have uh, created a business that supports um, employee mental health. So, it's focused around uh, people who have some sort of mental illness or might possibly be. Uh, mentally ill that are showing signs of it that require some support and with the NHS being very strained uh, we support those employees through the businesses to give the business a commercial benefit um, by keeping their employees happy and engaged but also by supporting those employees a lot quicker and uh, a lot more effectively by having that that support on tap really um, we're also doing it through a, a non-profit organisation which is doing exactly the same sort of support in schools. So we utilise app-based um, counselling and report generating which is done through some quite smart data science which uh, uses or utilises that waiting period to make sure that diagnos diagnosis times are down, uh, accuracy is up and the... Uh, the businesses and schools that we are um, we're supporting don't have uh, an impact because of that. Cool. So this um, this software that you're using, yeah, is that quite a, a, a new approach, quite an innovative approach to the way you're working? Yeah. So I wanted to create something that was quite quite disruptive, and because I've been through the process um, and I've experienced mental illness myself. I wanted to create something that I would have needed at that at that time um, and because I had it through school and I, I had it through the transition into work and into business um, I knew that something that could be operated remotely um, something that was goal based and goal orientated but also wasn't just something that was like counselling where you, you leave the room and that's it you're kind of uh, your report is is put on file and never touched again. I wanted it to be something that was progressive and it evolved. So it's quite new in that respect, where we can actually create a really big picture of somebody's mental health, whether it's really good or really poor, to um, to show 
either their practitioner or, or their mental health clinician um, a bigger picture of what's been going on so that there isn't just that hour-long appointment uh, or that 10-minute slot with the GP is something that can evolve over time and show a really big picture of what's been going on with that person. That was really interesting. It was interesting. You talked about your journey with mental health and I guess you know they, uh, something that I've learned is the most successful businesses are the ones that solve problems, the ones that really are in business with a, with a clear why. It was interesting you talked about Simon Sinek earlier in your fireside questions um, and and I guess you know the, the need to always have a why in business yeah. is really important. I guess it would be interesting to understand about how your journey through mental health helped to shape your why. Was that something that's always been a guiding light to, to as you grow your business? Yeah, it has, and, and it's it's what um, sparked me to to leave my job and to start something like this, really, because I was in a well paid uh, a well paid job, which um, lent me a lot of security, and and I was. Um, but I, I, there was always something missing in terms of what what I was experiencing with my own with my own mental health, and I'd been in and out of seeing doctors about it for for a very long time. I'd actually had my first doctor's visit when I was six years old, and um, I started uh, counselling at that point with my family because I was too young to do it alone, and. Um, I'd experienced a variety of things from that point which interrupted my school life, um, interrupted then looking at further education, so I, I didn't go to university because mental illness got in the way of that. Um, and then so I, I got a job and again most jobs are performance led so I would have, I would have issues with performance now and then. and. and a real difficulty outlining to my business so I, I wouldn't know how to explain what was going on so following that and following multiple doctors visits and counseling sessions um, over that period of time I was actually given four different diagnoses of what was going on whether it was um, most commonly depression or uh, social anxiety but once I reached a, an age that it deteriorated to a, a really severe point. It was only until then that they were able to to diagnose me as uh, something called bipolar, which um, affects I think it's one percent of of the population, and it's so difficult to diagnose that it takes about thirteen years to actually diagnose it in somebody. So for me, it took me eighteen years, but. Um, I just thought it has to be there has to be a much simpler way to do this um, rather than causing all of those issues and I uh, I've set out to do that so I'm aiming to get that number down help the NHS and help uh, all of the businesses that it's it's affecting and, and the children that are are in schools colleges or universities helping them not to have a helping their their mental health not to have an impact in, in what they are doing now and what they want to do in the future it's really interesting I guess I've got sort of like three questions um, but they're all okay. sort of related I'll start with the easy one first so um, <laughs> so I guess the the first one being around um, as a an employee but also an entrepreneur I guess someone that's starting their business you know yeah. what is it that because I assume that you know mental health isn't something that 
there is certain people who have it and certain people that don't. I guess everybody has it to different yeah. levels and yeah. there's different, um, you know, severities of it. But but what can people do to either like protect themselves um, and keep themselves um, well mentally? Um, I don't yeah. know how to describe it really, but almost like you know mentally. Um, well, um, yeah, and, yeah. and and also like if they are going through like mental health issues, like what can you do to to keep yourself fit? I guess. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's everybody does have mental health, and it's a blanket term that um, that is kind of sometimes misused. So every everyone does have mental health, and it's whether it, it sort of tips into that that poor mental health bracket. And if it stays in there too long, then it can generate into an illness. So a lot of people don't know how that's all categorised. So, for example, people throw the word anxiety around, but anxiety is only actually um, diagnosed once you've been experiencing the symptoms for for six months or so, Um, which is something that in our workshops we we outline and we we help people to experience. But it's... um, in terms of in terms of if someone is through a life event or um, through just working hard and being unrelenting with with your time um, if someone dips into that category of poor mental health they need to then recognize it and to be self-aware is something that does take time um, but you need to have a really strong support network to help you um, recognise when you're doing that. Because as an entrepreneur, it's very isolating, it's very um, it's very insular, and you're kind of doing all of this work by yourself. So you're, you're not really reaching out to people about how you're doing. You're sort of talking about your business all the time. You're talking about how your business is doing. But having a support network and knowing what that support network uh, is good at is something that you need to everybody needs to outline Mm. so for example my support network is my family um, primarily so my mum my dad and my sister but I would I would go to my mum for some things and I would ask her some questions but I would go to my dad for completely opposite things Mm. So you need to know what their strengths are and what they can help you with, um, and that's what we're we're aiming to help teach the the children that we go and speak to to recognise those things and to um, be able to have that to call on if needed. Mm. So, as a way to um, as a way to spot the signs in yourself, you can rely on on that support network as long as they're a strong one and you know what their strengths are, and then. In terms of in terms of yourself having some sort of self-care plan is um, and I, I call it that but it's not a it's not a really strict plan um, but having things in your life that you enjoy so mine for example is going for walks so I won't necessarily set myself a goal of going to you know for three or four walks a week but I will um, I will be mindful that I haven't been for a walk, so I'll make some time that I do that. I don't want to set myself targets or goals that are unrealistic, because if I say that I'm going to go for four walks, if I only go for three, I'm going to be yeah. it's going to be doing my head See, in. See, that's so interesting. So something that I do is I, you know, and my mum always says this to me as well. You know, I don't just say oh, I'm going to go to the gym. 
once or twice a week. It's like yeah. I'm gonna go to the gym every single day. Yeah. And then I feel, you know, now I'm looking at when I'm on Thursday, I haven't been to the gym once. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, I haven't achieved that. But actually, like, do I need to get to the gym every day? Could I go three times a week, two times a week? Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's about setting yourself realistic targets. But linked to the to first question I asked, I guess, the, the, the second and the third question are almost still related. Um, and I'll ask them together if that's all right. So the first, yeah. the, the second bit of the question was around um, what can employers do? to protect and to be to make sure that they're, they're building the best environment to take care of their employees yep. from a mental health perspective and also like what can schools do what can teachers do and what support network can employers yeah. and schools put in place to to protect their people yeah and it's a really every business is different so whether you're you, you really need to get into the the grips of how the business works really because if you have uh, a lot of remote workers or if you have um, again, a very insular environment where it's people who are doing coding and they've just got headphones in and they're, um, they're working at their desk constantly. You need to be really aware of how your business operates and what each individual team is doing um, and what kind of uh, conflicts they may come up with every day. So software developers who are very very insular and might be quite um, in their role they might be they might be quite lonely they might be quite um, not really getting too much interaction every day at work so there needs to be something in place there that they can have regular breaks get away from the computer um, whereas if somebody's in a customer support role and they're speaking to angry customers all the time that can really wear somebody down so that you need to be able to look at your business from quite a, a holistic point of view about how you want to operate ethically but also you need to have a look at those individual pods of uh, people and, and those individual verticals that you've got and how mental health can be impacted by what they're doing on, on the day to day so we've actually got um, a well-being plan that we've put together that's completely free to download um, which covers five different areas which gives uh, gives companies um, an overview of how to initiate uh, getting well-being considered in their workplace and it's to just let the uh, let the employees know that you are doing something and I think that it's getting to a point where awareness is is not going to be enough, um, because the more people that are aware, there's there's not really an infrastructure um, that's backing it up. So coming in and doing awareness talks and that sort of thing sometimes isn't the best thing to do. It's something that you might need to uh, actually look at um, implementing a strategy around what happens if something goes wrong uh, and, and rather than just helping people become aware what happens if someone does have a bereavement you know what what can you do then and how is that going to affect their role um, so you need to yeah think about it holistically but then also think about it vertically and in what uh, what sectors people work in what environment are they, are they working in and um, and adjusting that individual individually to make sure that it is yeah. a, uh, a well 
uh, well-placed environment for, for what they're coming across every day. So you talked a little bit about the workshops you run um, and they, you know, I know you've talked about how successful they've been and, and the, the value that delegates get from those workshops. I mean, if you could give us like maybe an overview of the purpose of those workshops and what people can, can find out, who they're targeting at. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what sort of um, message would you like to get across about those workshops? Yeah, so, so as I said, in, in terms of awareness, um, uh, I think that there is a huge, there's a huge amount of awareness going on, um, which is brilliant in terms of mental health and, and helping people understand that it is out there. Um, but then in organisations, what happens is people become aware and then they go visit their GP, try and understand what the next steps are to to get better uh, if they are in a particularly bad situation and then either counselling or particular therapies aren't available because of the amount of people who are going through that particular process um, so our workshops um, are, are very much angled at helping leadership teams in organisations understand what employees are going through and then developing particular strategies uh, aimed at those employees just in case anything like that goes wrong so for example we have a, we typically work off of a monthly basis so we work monthly with our, our clients to um, provide an insight and to look into um, supporting whether someone someone's performance might be slightly off um, looking into why that is from a a mental health point of view um, or if some the, the, the business as a whole has a, an absentee, absenteeism issue um, then we can have a look at that and call in from our partners in em employment law or look at a variety of different angles related to the well-being of those employees about what might be uh, what the issue might be and then we we essentially collect all of those different queries, all of those different issues together and we create a workshop surrounding uh, what the mental health implications of all of that is and, um, and conduct a quarterly workshop which is essentially a simulation. So we simulate symptoms of different illnesses that might be affecting those businesses um, and from a commercial but also from an ethical standpoint we help that business understand what this is doing to the bigger picture and then collectively we come up with a solution about how to do that and work on it for the next quarter. So um, the workshops are very innovative in terms of how we, we go about um, not just raising awareness but raising an appreciation and an understanding of what mental illness is and how that is affecting the business cool. um, and we're doing the same with children yeah. so in schools we do run assemblies which are more generic but um, the workshops are very simulating so that these terms like anxiety and like depressed aren't being thrown around um, because the severity of that is is that too many people or too many children are then being referred into the system and it's overcrowding um, overcrowding the, the the waiting lists and, and making it too yeah. built up for anyone um, 
who really needs the help to be able to get that quicker. So we're, we're aiming to reduce the, the waiting times overall. So talking about the system and, and the support, I guess, yeah. the government and the National Health Service put into mental health, you know, like, what is it that, in your view, um, the, the, the NHS and the government should be focusing on? Because now you mentioned about raising awareness, and yeah. that raising awareness is great, but it only goes so far. You know, what, what's the next step on the agenda, yeah. in your view, for the government related to um, mental health in the UK? Yeah, and I think um, if, you, if you look at it over the last few years, there has been billions. Um, I think I, I read it was 20, uh, 20, 21 billion that... Uh, a campaign has been run in terms of raising awareness for mental health. Uh, however, if you look at on the other side of that to support it from an infrastructure point of view, there's actually been cuts. Um, it has been said that there's been uh, five or six thousand more mental health clinicians that have been put into the NHS, but uh, realistically, it looks like it's it's more within the hundreds. So there's a very low level of infrastructure versus the amount of awareness that's been risen so or raised so if you if you look at that from a common sense point of view everyone's been you know going to the NHS to to seek help but the help hasn't been available so currently um, certainly in Milton Keynes where we are um, if you then get referred by your GP for something like cognitive behavioural therapy um, or therapies in general, you're, you're looking at about uh, 8 to 12 months to be able to actually gain that support. So what, um, what happens in the meantime is that you, you don't get support unless you go privately, which is expensive, um, still quite overridden. So There'll, there'll still be a six to eight week wait uh, for somebody privately, and um, you're going to have to integrate that into your into your day to day. So your work, you're going to have to travel to it, um, which is um, is difficult to take on when you're in that state of mind. And from my experience of of going through that, what happens is that you either um, work drops off, family and relationships drop off. Um, and you, eight to twelve months is a very long time. So you, you just begin to deteriorate in that time, and it's very difficult to manage. Um, so what we've built in the meantime is app-based support for employers to um, or employees to reach out to us directly to gain uh, gain support immediately. So our clients alongside the monthly support that we do and the workshops that we do on uh, as, a, as a result of that. Uh, the app-based support that we then offer is direct support for any employee to reach out to us, whether it's coaching and mentoring that they need. Um, so if their mental health is slightly slipping and they need to generate that support network that we talked about, or if they need to generate and keep on top of a self-care plan then we can do something like like that um, or we can support them within that period so eight to twelve months where we can have weekly or bi-weekly counseling sessions um, and generate a report for them which creates a, uh, a really 
long-term view rather than just a 10-minute GP appointment mm. we can generate them a long-term view that they can take to their appointment at the end of that so they know exactly what's been going on they don't have to remember a year back um, and then also a return to work scheme as well that we work with uh, our clients with so if someone has been off sick with a mental health issue uh, we discuss or we can remotely support them while they're off and then support them for three months when they come back as well to make sure that um, that individual is ready to return and they return seamlessly and also the business puts in any um, allowances or, or any adjustments that they need to to ensure that that environment is right for them. Fantastic and I so I guess talking a little bit it'd be interesting to understand a bit more about your journey yeah. business obviously you know it's been how long have you been running the business now? So started um, started in November 2017. November in 2017, then April 2018. It's a quite short period of time, yeah. I guess. You know, how did you find those first few months? And I guess you're still in them now, very much still in startup stage. You know, getting clients on board, getting revenue into the business. How's your journey been, and and how, what sort of advice would you give on those initial first few months? I uh, yeah, the the journey was really difficult. So looking at validating um, what I was doing and, and from my own mindset as well there was quite a there was quite a battle there in terms of and I think every entrepreneur or every startup has it where you kind of think what you're doing isn't right what you're there's a lot of self-doubt there um, typically anyway so the first few months were very much that and I think finding out exactly what I needed to deliver um, was really difficult and I, and I actually went to Milton Keynes College to deliver a talk um, around taking on too much and I think that I did that in the first few months because I, I mapped out everything that I wanted to do for clients and everything that I felt would, would help. Um, and now we, we just do the, the monthly support with a workshop and the app based support but before there were 11 services that I came up with which was just completely ridiculous from uh, mm. uh, not manageable at all. Yeah. I guess it's really interesting isn't it so you know I very much took a similar approach yeah so at the start I did the same with our business so I looked at what are all the potential products and services we can offer but also I took a very much like approach where I'd meet a client I'd explain what I do and I'd say, oh, but you can come to us and we'll run any meeting for you. We'd do anything. Just tell us what your goals and objectives are and we'll run it for you. But actually, I think having products is important. So you can go to a client and really explain that the reason that you, you run this product yeah. is synergies. With, with and, and I think your point on having too many is exactly right. And that's one of the things that we did. So we tried to identify as many products as possible thought that'd be the best yeah and it's almost like throwing lots of stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks yeah and sometimes the best approach for us I found was to identify what have we done in the past that's worked really really well yeah. before starting the business you know what have I done as a facilitator in the past and how's that helped our clients and then trying to think about other organizations that could potentially complement yeah and then going to them and I guess very similar to you talking about problems you've helped other people overcome and how there may be synergies to, to the new client you're trying to trying to um, target, um, but you know how did you go through that process of sort of knocking out the products that you 
weren't going to focus on and, and finding those golden products. Yeah, uh, speaking to people, um, you've got to get out there. I think that, um, I think that being in a real life situation is the best way to go um, because you can sit at your desk, you can look at your laptop and look at what competitors are doing or look at um, what kind of the industry says to do but until you get out there and test what you want to bring to market you're not going to be able to, to know what your customers what aspects of what you want to do is uh, what your customers do like what they don't like and you've got to go and, and speak to those potential customers to outline the bits that they might not be too interested in um, and then you can look at that and think well one one area of what I wanted to do was um, leadership development and training which has its own mental health issues attached to it um, but it, it confused the whole message mm. so that was the feedback that I got from from potential customers and people that I was speaking to um, so I just completely cut it out and I think that you, you can't look at it emotionally even though it's your business mm. and you're looking to create something you need to be very objective with these things and not necessarily look at it like um, this is what I want to do um, you've got to look at it what 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 do I like to do but also what do our customers need and I think that's so important so I guess we've all got a personal brand so you know my intention is that people look at me and they say Luke Bowden his experience is working in rail his experience is in project management yeah. um, meetings it's in um, facilitating really really good meetings running team away days and that's what I want to keep it as when I first became you know self-employed you know there were a variety of different opportunities that came up you know some doing um, doing, doing things which were in many ways related, but did sort of um, dirty the brand a little bit, not because they were bad things to do, but because it sort of meant that I, I was stretching what I did a little bit. Yeah, and actually, I think that when I look at you, I think of mental health, and that's that's your brand. You know, you're an expert in that field. In the same way that my intention is for me to be an expert in my field, mm. but actually, if you were to say to me, "Oh, Luke, I'm now selling cars." then you might think, oh, that's great because it's an additional income. But for your brand, I guess, it kind of slightly changes yeah. what, what you're seen as as an individual. And yeah. I think building that personal brand around one particular area is really, really important. So, so how is it you've made sure you've protected your brand? So I think that you've got to be patient. So in terms of, in terms of all of these different services and products that will be buzzing around in your head... Um, You've got to be, you've got to be patient in terms of being able to test something. So once you've spoken to enough customers to to knock out a few of the services that you want to offer, um, you need to be able to align everything and package everything up together to make sure that it is clear. Mm. Because clarity is something that customers want to see. Because otherwise, it's going to be too diluted. You're going to be spreading yourself too thin. Um, and also they need to trust in what you're doing and, and trust is a huge thing, especially when you know you, you want to be paid for, for what you're doing. You want it to be a commercial enterprise, so you need it to have some sort of, uh, some sort of clarity and there needs to be a trust there because people are going to be paying you to, to deliver something for them. And 
you need it to be of a really good quality and you need to be able to deliver. Mm. So you can't spread yourself too thin over too many services, mm. otherwise you're not going to be able to deliver, the message isn't going to be there, and delivery, in my opinion, is the most important thing. Yeah, and I guess that's really interesting, that, that principle about test and learn, test and learn, test and learn mm. is really important. So, you know, so sometimes going back to basics isn't a bad thing. No. So no. sometimes, you know, we're 12 months into our business now, and there will be times where we say, actually, you know, you can get complicated in business, you can focus, and, and rightly so, you can focus so much on the processes you put in place, your website, your social media presence, that's all very, very important. But sometimes you do need to just take, take it all back to basics and say, actually, yeah. let's go back to basics, let's think about this again. Why do we exist? What are we doing? How are we doing it? And just making sure that you're not afraid to, to collect feedback. Yeah. You're not afraid to say that your products will never, ever be perfect. You need to constantly improve them. And sometimes, actually, like, you know, this idea of the way you articulate things is very, very important. So we are constantly, every single weekend, we'll update our website. Yes. Sometimes it's very, very sort of things. We constantly look at our analytics. We constantly look at the, where people have clicked and, and making sure that the, the words we're using are actually what we mean. Actually, customers understand what we're saying. Yeah. I think that's so important. It is. And, um, and making sure that that, that message is consistent um, once you've once you've got that message clear um, yeah absolutely you can you can adapt it business adapts um, but you need to, to ensure that there is a, a clarity and, and consistency there so not to change it too much but if you if you are going to change it and completely pivot into a different different arena or a different area you need to communicate that with your customers very clearly so you need that message to be um, to be shared in in such a way that yeah you are you articulate it in in the right way that isn't going to uh, isn't going to put anyone off or isn't going to uh, change the the message that you've previously been um, been done. So having your end goal communicated in such a way is um, is yeah really, really important. important. Yeah, really important. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, John. It's been great talking to you today. If people want to find out a little bit about you online, how's the best way of finding you, contacting you, and talking a bit more about your business if anyone's interested? Yeah, so we've actually got um, um, a week coming up in uh, Mental Health Week, which is the 14th to the 20th of May, um, which we're, we're offering um, to come and do talks with businesses or do joint events with so we're really keen to hear from anyone that might be interested in doing that um, so that can be you can look at www.arthurellismhs.com make sure we link all this on the screen and yeah. down in the description as well so that's fine yes yeah and if you want to reach out to you on social media how can they find you yeah so it's arthurellismhs so we're on facebook instagram twitter and linkedin um and they can send me a direct message on LinkedIn as well. It's just John Manning. And um, we're also conducting quite a lot of research at the moment. So we're looking for participants. If anyone has been uh, through that process of waiting for NHS appointments, um, we, we're really keen to um, conduct some research around what the waiting times have been like, what the issues were in that meantime, uh, we've currently got quite a few participants but we're looking to, to do this at a wider scale so that can also be uh, some information about that can also be found on our, our website arthurlsmhs.com
Fantastic. Thank you very much, Sean. It's been great talking to you, no and uh, I wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you, Luke. Cheers.